It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, right here at VolQuest.com, a part of the On3 family. Hey, get it while it's hot. One dollar for one year. It's not going to last forever, so... If you're listening and are not a member of VolQuest just yet, what are you waiting on? $1 for one year over at On3. And, of course, follow our work over on YouTube by searching VolQuest. Got a full bank of questions. Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. I am Eric Kane as Tennessee coming off an overtime win at Pittsburgh, looking ahead to Akron, and, of course, Florida. 3.30 CBS kickoff the following Saturday as well. The only deal better than the VolQuest $1 deal was the deal that Clara got Aunt B when she went away from Foley's market and didn't get to meet at Mr. Foley's and went to that other Diamond Jim. Diamond Jim. <laughs> call the man, Aunt B. Just call the man. <laughs> All right. Rocky Top five. I love the I love the fact that Eric has no, no idea clue. what we're doing. No clue. No it should clue. be a requirement for him to watch the Andy Griffiths channel. <laughs> well, see, like I've seen episodes and, and they check out, they're good, but like, I mean, you guys. It's like you guys go to sleep with it every night. I mean, I don't, I don't know it that well. Eric, let's 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 say you too. You too. <laughs> call right. the man. Just call the man, Aunt B. Rocky Top Five Forty. Brent, really appreciate all you do for your Tennessee, uh, your Tennessee knowledge. What do you think of the offense struggling in the second half against Pitts? Did Tillman get too many targets? I don't think he got too many targets. I think Alex Golish made it clear that they were going to ride with Tillman. What happened to them in the third quarter, when you look at the drive chart, is um, they got behind the sticks. I mean, their first drive, they got a first down, and then they had a loss of six on a sack, put them in second and 16. Then they had a 15-yard penalty. So on their second or their first drive of the third quarter, they had second and 31 and third and 31. That's not exactly where you want to be against anybody. Certainly not Pitt. You go to their second drive, that an incomplete, then they had a false start on second and 10, and they're suddenly in second and 15 and third and 15. Bad go. The next drive, they're moving in the right direction on, on in the third quarter, and Jalen Wright fumbles after making a first down on third. After they one. went under so, center. Yeah, after they went under center, he fumbles. So And picked up the first down. When you look at those three drives, you had a fumble uh, on the last one where you finally got a little – little momentum and a little rhythm going but the other two killed you because you're in second and 31 and third and 31 and then you're in third and 15 and second 15 it's i don't think it was who they targeted i think it was the lack of execution and the penalties that put them behind the eight ball on third down that put them in a bad spot and killed the quarter we'll go to push in v rob how do you explain tennessee going from using so many wide receivers against ball state to only using their top three guys against Pitt? it reminded me of our debt from last year and not in a good way. Well, I mean, that's how I explain it. I mean, I, th I think Hypo and Golish made it abundantly clear last year that, you know, hey, we're going to play the guys at wideout that we trust the most. They were in a tight game where they didn't feel like there was any room for error, and, and they rolled with the three guys that, that they trusted the most. And, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to explain. I'm a, I was surprised because I, mean, I, I thought after week one – that they were committed to playing more dudes. I think we'll see them play a lot of guys this weekend. And I don't think that, you know, the pit game was the, the final referendum on, on the wide receivers. I, I do believe Golish when he says he wants to play more guys. I just don't think the comfort level was there in week two. Let's go to Athron. We got a couple here for UAP. Any more new smoke with Carnell Tate? No, I, I said it 
you know, when we talked about all the smoke that was out there, I thought this would be a, a an all-foul grind if you're going to try to flip him. This is not something where he was going to flip in September. Like, this is something like you want to just kind of lay in the weeds, see if he comes on a visit again. If he doesn't, then Tennessee's not getting him, in my opinion. But if he does, then I think they'd have a shot to flip him here at the tail end. I know he's been here a bunch. I get it. But I, I think he's got to come back to flip. That's my opinion. What's your What's the next one? Can you talk about the new coach? Uh, I call him Coach A. From, um, you know, where did he come from? What's his role? The guy from Utah, uh, scout now for Josh Heupel. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah, does a really nice job of connecting with kids. Obviously, has the Polynesian culture. Um, just, just I think will be a real asset on official visits, working you know DMs on Twitter, um, and just connecting with with players. And I think as someone who is driven to, you know improve at his craft hover and 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 you know be better in all facets i think right now he gives you the biggest kind of jolt in the arm with the relationship building because i think that's what he's good at yeah i mean he's not a coach i mean it's not like he's an on the field guy or anything like that i mean he's a young guy trying to get established in college sports and has got an opportunity here at tennessee to do a lot of behind the scenes thing and things and try to build those relationships and bring some of those relationships to tennessee and we've seen the fact that Tennessee's offered some Utah kids in the last two and a half weeks, right? Yep. And, and that's that's a direct correlation there. Does that mean they're going to land them? Who knows? But there are ties there, uh, which could certainly, you know, be promising for Tennessee. We'll see how it, you know, how it develops moving forward. One of those guys Tennessee offered, cornerback Snowden Smith, speaks very highly of uh, who he calls Coach A, and of course that's that Utah tie. Uh, a couple more here for from Athron AP. How many players is Tennessee taking in this class? Uh, high schools, transfers, JUCO, since there's no limitation this year. I think that number, Eric, is really dependent on uh, who leaves in December. Like, I, I think that, you know, technically, you know, the guys you add in January potentially would be players added to this class. So, like, high school kids – I think you're looking at three, four more, um, depending on who you get. And I think as far as transfers, the sky's the limit. But a lot of that depends on who all leaves come the end of the year and how many spots Tennessee has to work with under the 85. And 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 what what areas Tennessee needs to really improve in a hurry. And then last one here. Can you please explain to people who want us to sub more wide receivers on offense that you can't go the speed Hypo wants to go if you are subbing players in and out? The 11 players that start the drive will be the 11 players that end the drive 95% of the time. I'll disagree on that one because there's dead balls. There's there's incomplete passes. Easy to sub guys in and out. Um, but, I mean, if you're, if you're moving, obviously you're not going to stop to get some different players in there. But there are opportunities, even in the sub-tempo offense, uh, to get guys in there, Tennessee's just riding with the three that they trust. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee tried to keep the tempo going on second down because they wanted to avoid third and long. That's why you saw them with some second down runs, some second down easy throws because they did not want to take a chance on a dead ball there for Pitt to be able to substitute. But there's absolutely ample opportunity to play more than three wide receivers, okay? And, and whether it's subbing in a drive, whether it's subbing between drives, that there's certainly ample opportunity to do that. Rob, they just, quite frankly, didn't trust anybody and they rode with the three guys, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, that's what – I totally get the – you know, even even though Eric said there's dead ball opportunities, I mean, you get, you know, five, six drives a half. I mean, you can you can swap personnel if you want to easily. 
Sam Smith, 22-33. Does the staff try a new guy, a punt returner this week? Rob, will stay with you if you want to answer that one. I don't know. I mean, D. Williams is a guy that's listed on the, on the depth chart, and I mean, I don't think they're going to roll, roll – I don't know that he's going in there this week. And I just – you know, Flowers is a senior. He's a guy they, they trust a lot. I, I think that he has it in, for now until, it, until or if, it, you know – he, he, he shows that it's a real problem. I, Brent, I, during, during camp, the two names at punt return we kept hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, was was only Flowers and Williams. Now, there were some more kick returners, but, I mean, if it's not D. Williams who's, you know, get back in there healthy, then I don't know another option right now. Well, here's what I would do, and I, I'm not Mike Eckler. He makes a lot more money than me, and I wouldn't want to challenge him on anything anyway because he's Mike Eckler, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit wound tight. But – um, if I were in this game and I were Tennessee, I, I would, and I, and I had a lead in the second half, I would put somebody back there to see what it looked like. I mean, I, you know, because here's the thing, what are you going to do if you get in a third down situation where Trayvon flowers makes a tackle and loses his helmet and he has to come out for a play and they're going to punt, you're going to take a timeout there so you can get to put him back in there. Or, or do you have nobody that you feel comfortable with? Or do you have somebody you feel comfortable with who could field a punt? And there was a situation last year, I, I think there was two number ones on the field at the same time or an injury. Something happened when it wasn't Bayless and it was Trayvon back there last year and the ball rolled all the way down within the five. And, and I know that's chaotic and it's in the middle of a game and everything, but if you got somebody some more reps like a Trayvon or whoever it may be, maybe that wouldn't have happened in, in that situation. I, I forgot what game it was, but that was a situation last year. This is your only chance to experiment to see if somebody you feel comfortable with somebody back there without putting them into an immediate pressing stressful situation, Austin. I mean, if you don't experiment with it at some point in this game, then I think you're riding Trayvon flowers all the way through the year, unless D Williams gets healthy. And I don't know when or if that's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. And when you, you know, think about like, even like little things like this is your last opportunity until UT Martin to get somebody like Joe Milton, a lot of reps, to keep him sharp. You know, because, I mean, let's face it, you're probably not going to get blown out or blow out the next guy on two or three opponents, right? So, you, you, to me, like, this game is important to sharpen the craft, to test things that you you want to, you know, see how they, they work out. So, I'm with you, Hubs. I, I think this is the perfect opportunity to say, all right, you're going to handle the first couple, but the rest are going to go to player X. And let's face it, if you do what you're supposed to do, Akron should be punting a lot, right? So, you, you should have ample opportunities to uh, get somebody some quality uh, some quality reps. One more here from Sam Smith and and you know Austin Rob you know we're not we're not punters. Brent's not gotten any punts off here since the new hit, but he'll get back out there in a moment. But have you guys learned anything schematically or seen anything from Brooks that makes him kind of different from this year compared to last year? I just go with the low snap, Rob. I mean, like, he was digging him out of his ankles multiple times Saturday. He's naturally a tall guy anyway. He's, what, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And so, if you're, if, you're, if you're snappers getting it back to him down there real low, he's got to bend down. He's not, like, his operation's already kind of slow anyway. To me, it was just kind of a perfect storm that, that led to the block punt. I, I think he'll be better going forward. They didn't punt a whole lot against Ball State either. So, you know, in-game punting – is not something they've done a whole lot this year. Yeah, I think he's got to speed up. 
I mean, the, the snaps slowing down too. I mean, the snaps have got to be better. But I, I think you got to understand the situation there, right? I mean, Pitt, Rob Pitt can't score. They, you don't think they can drive 80 yards on you. So what are the chances that they're going to come after a punt? Probably pretty high, right? So that's a catch and kick deal. Get it out of there. I mean, you got to treat that like you're backed up in your own end zone on the back line. Catch and get it out of there. Uh, don't 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 take any chances because you got to be thinking they're coming. They clearly had a bust on the play, but you still got to be thinking in your head fast clock because they're trying to make a play on special teams. Surfer Ball wants to know what's the plan to keep Anthony Richardson under control. The skeptic in me says he will have a career Heisman like day against Tennessee, uh, just as almost every Florida quarterback has in the last 10 plus years. Rob, if you want to take a swing at this one, I, I mean, Pitt had nothing to compare to Anthony Richardson. I mean, nothing at all. But I, I felt like, you know, the pass rush and, and the contain, again, they, they weren't stressed. I, I just feel like. You know, from what, what we saw last week, if Tennessee brings that same kind of, you know, defensive approach and, you know, aggressiveness, I, I like their chances. And, I mean, I think Kentucky shows you the bull pr- blueprint. It's not anything that's rocket science. I mean, make him beat you with, he, with his arm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Kentucky, give them credits. They, they never gave – hardly ever gave up contain, kept him inside that tackle box – and made him throw it. If you make him throw it, then you, your chances are better. If you lose contain, that's when things are going to go south for you. Uh, I mean, what did he 15. Four rushes? Is that what he had in the game? Was four rushes total against Kentucky? That, that's all he got going? So, um, absolutely. They did, they, they did an absolutely unbelievable job with that one. Smoky Man 15, what do you make of the running back recruiting, Austin? Seems like opportunity is ample. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a down year for top-end tailbacks. There's a couple that are really good players, but, I mean, it wasn't like the – now, this was a huge year for quarterbacks. Um, a ton of – I mean, guys that are ranked 10th or 11th in the country on any other year might be third or fourth. Like, that's how deep this quarterback class is. I think the running back um, depth is is much more thin, not only at Tennessee, but also in the recruiting uh, – in, in, in the class of 2023. So, you know – I think that, you know, they've got to continue to, to beat the bushes and, and see if they can find somebody. We'll see if Roderick Robinson comes on a visit. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, the the running back room needs more and more playmakers. iHeart Balls wants to know, do you think Danny White will ever change the south end zone Jumbotron to match the party deck and Jumbotron in the north? I no think one. that there's – I think there's a strong chance of that long term. Now – We'll see. I think a lot of it depends on how well this new section does hubs. Like if it becomes super popular over time, like the porch for baseball, then I think then you look at possibly doing that to the other end. But if it doesn't, then I think you'll, you won't see that. Well, I don't know if he's asking him. I don't know if he's asking, will he do a matching party deck on the South end or if he's asking for the screen itself to be the same. The screens are the same. They changed the south screen out th- this year. Yep. Um, the south screen is actually a bigger screen than the north screen. It just doesn't look that way because of the way the north screen is tucked in. And it's but lower, that, lower, yeah. and and it's a lower screen in the north end. So they're the they're the same screen, same technology, everything there is the same. I'm with you, also. I think what they do premium seating wise in the south in the south end of the stadium. Is going to be interesting to see. Do they just do clubs on the on the between the lower deck and the upper deck there? Do they move the media there and turn that and take the, where the media is at now and make those clubs? 
I think there's some really interesting decisions on the horizon with the south end zone, which they will start to do some concourse work on after this season. It will not be nearly complete, but they're going to start to do some infrastructure stuff with the concourse in the south end. They're already cleaning out some offices down there. So they're going to move, it looks like, to the south end zone for next. That will be a multi-year project to, to finish that thing out and do whatever they elect to do design-wise. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even look in game one. I mean, I would imagine it's the same picture on both screens, right? You're not running two different productions, right? No. You're not, but you can put different things on the screen mm -hmm. if they want to. They have that capability, yeah. but in game one, they ran the same They ran the same screen, same thing on both screens. Volunteer at 87, what did you make of the Florida-Kentucky game? If you had to attribute it to just one team, uh, was it because Florida was worse than you thought or Kentucky was better than you thought? Uh, Rob Lewis. I think it's because Utah is worse than I thought. I agree. <laughs> that, that's not, I'll take C. Because I didn't, I mean, I really didn't think Florida was very good coming into the season. And more than anything else, I thought that because of the skilled position players. I mean, they just didn't have, you know, a Kadarius Tony or, you know, some of the guys at, at wideout or, or tailback that scared you. And I'll even flip it to the defensive side, the kind of, you know, defensive backs that you, you routinely see them roll out there. And I think they got so much pop. Off of that Utah win, they they got bumped up way too high because they be, they beat a Pac-12 team in a game they easily could have lost. And I just think, I mean, I, I think Kentucky's pretty good. I don't think they're great. I, I, I again, I just I think Florida got way too much pop off the Utah win. This is for anybody here. Same same one from Volunteer eighty seven. If you had to guess, when do you think Texas and Oklahoma will play their first games as members of the SEC? I'll take this one. Uh, the SEC announcing on Wednesday that the Tennessee-Oklahoma game is not happening. Uh, that 24 game is not going to take place. Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma as well. That's not going to take place. That's an SEC deal. That's not Tennessee canceling the game or Oklahoma canceling the game or Georgia. That's an SEC deal, which makes you wonder, are they coming earlier than 25, not coming earlier than 25? Um you know, is the extra conference game coming? We think they're going to go to nine conference games when they do. They will take out the provision that says you got to play a five, power five non-conference team. So what what exactly that means, we're not sure, but it sets the stage for a possible earlier than 25 entry into the SEC for Texas and Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to happen in 23. Could it happen in 24? Perhaps it could. Uh, but the, the league announcing on Wednesday that those games are not going to happen with Oklahoma and the two SEC schools. Yeah, that was a, a cross-court pass to Brent Hubs in the corner for a three. That, that's no, how we did that right no, there. No, I mean, I've had this discussion like with a couple of people. Don't you feel like they're going? Uh, they're not going to put the nine game – I mean, I guess they could, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel like they'll put the nine games in effect until that move is made. So, like, if they don't come to 25, I don't think – the SEC is going to go ahead and put in nine games in 23 and 24 without them. All right, so we're going to go to Oak Grave Vol. So have you guys heard anything about Malachi Dow from White County? He has over 1,200 yards rushing with 20 touchdowns through four games. Do you see his recruitment picking up Austin Price? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll pick up, um, you know, at, at some point in some form or fashion. Is that an Eastern Kentucky, an Austin P, a UT Martin? Uh, he just added Tennessee Tech. Uh, the other day, which is the, the 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 hometown team, so to speak. Um, but you know, as far as like power fives, no. I mean, there's a lot of kids that run for a million yards in high school, and 
don't end up getting power five looks. It's just, again, coaches are finicky about size, speed, arm length, ankle stiffness, bone density, like you name it. Ankle Uh, stiffness. Yeah. My favorite's bone density. I've always (laughs) said that. It's like, how do you measure bone density? Does does Eric have good bone density, Rob? I can't look at him and tell. Maybe if I walk up, smack him in the leg with a hammer, Rob, I'll figure out if he's got a good you bone. You sound like Eric Kane trying to pick a prom date. Bone density, ankle fitness. <laughs> I don't have any broken bones, so maybe that's something. Uh, is that accurate? I mean, I'm not going to look it up. 20 touchdowns through four games. Goodness yes, gracious. He is, he, is, he is putting up a million yards, and it's Jeez. every week. And it's against quality competition. So I get why the questions are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a cousin that lives in White County. He's been pushing him. I've 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 sent his tape to multiple college coaches and different levels of football, and just said, "Hey, man, take a look at this kid. He's putting up massive numbers. What do you think?" Blah blah blah. So you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, again, I, I get why people are really pushing him. He's having a heck of a year. All right, we'll go to SC Vol twenty four seven. When Mitchell gets back, would you sit Beasley and rest him for Florida? Brent Hubs, no chance you're taking Aaron Beasley off this field. It's a great compliment. Again, I mean, Mitchell was was a bracketed starter at the beginning of the year. Like, he'll play, but that's just adding depth to the room. But as long as Beasley's playing or anybody's playing this hot, you're not taking them out of the football game. No, this is not the final week of the preseason in the NFL uh, or, or the final week of the regular season when you've already solidified your number one seed. I mean, that's that's not what we're dealing with here. You're not – somebody posted on the board, set Tillman, set Hooker. No, no, go play. Go play your guys, and, and and that's what you do. And they need to play Mitchell. They need to play him as much as he can. Now, they're, they're, I mean, Omari Thomas doesn't need to play 60 snaps this week. They, you know, you got to be smart and rotate your guys and get them in there. But you're not setting anybody at, at this point in time to start this game, in my opinion. With Tennessee playing at Pittsburgh, how was the stadium experience in covering the game compared to other college NFL stadiums you guys have covered Tennessee in? Um, Austin Price? Very similar. I mean, it was a nicer, a way nicer version of Nissan Stadium. But like the whole like angle, at least for us. Now, Hubs, I think you're. Are you? Are you more in the end zone at, at Nissan? Or are you? Oh more no, in no, the no. Of the field. No, we're in the middle of the field. Nissan yeah, Stadium may be the best seat for a broadcast that that I set in because it sits low when you're about the forty yard line. It's fantastic. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were in the end zone at Nissan Stadium. What game was that? I was in the end zone in Mercedes Benz Stadium. Was I it. was. I was. Almost field level in the end zone at Auburn, which is the worst seat to call a game from ever. Uh, and at Heinz Field, you're basically in the corner of the end zone. Very similar to Mercedes-Benz. It was a little further away. It, it felt like a college team that played in a pro stadium is what it felt like. They, they just don't have – there's not a lot of tradition there. It doesn't have that college vibe. It's a nice venue. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But but it, it's a it's a stadium that two teams share. Right, I mean that was the Steelers Stadium, and Pitt plays there. That wasn't Pitt Stadium. That's the best way I could describe it. We'll go to Rising Fawn Vol. Thoughts on both sides of the line after two games: big chance, small chance, or no chance, in your opinion, of beating Rob Lewis, Alabama? I say no chance of beating Alabama. And maybe, and this is—I mean—they're my Florida when it comes to having, as far as hubs, having to, to see it to believe it. I—I I mean, I know that. You know, Coach Gullish, I thought was really complimentary the offensive line on Tuesday. I mean, that that was my biggest concern coming out of the Pittsburgh game is how they just were not able to generate any kind of push. I mean, average, even if you take the sacks out, they average just over three yards a carry. Um, 
biggest concern. That was my biggest concern. Defensive line, I'm probably pleasantly surprised through two games. We'll go to Everett Ball, 86. Will we see running back Justin Williams Thomas at any point this season? Austin, I think you'll see him. I mean, it's a good chance you'll see him this week against Akron. Yeah, maybe maybe against Akron or UT Martin. Outside of that, then it all depends on if everybody stays healthy or not, Hover. Yeah, I mean, I you know, he, he's he's behind. He's fourth right now is where he's at. He's behind Small. He's behind Wright. And he's behind Dylan Sampson. That's where he's at. Now, if there's an injury, it might change. If he develops moving along, something might change. But right now, that's where he sits at uh, in the depth chart. Peyton Manning, doppelganger, do you think playing it so vanilla against Ball State was just overpowering them, contributed to some of the poor play and scheme early in the pit game? Meaning playing so vanilla, just overpowering your week one opponent, did that contribute to the early struggles against Pitt? I would say no. I just think Tennessee – Got off to a horrible start on both sides of the football. But again, credit both sides of the football for stepping up and Trayvon Flowers making a play to kind of turn the tide there and avoid Tennessee going down 17-0. Rob Lewis, Ball State gave Tennessee nothing to help them prepare for Pittsburgh. Two totally different games, two totally different styles, no correlation. I mean, there was nothing you could do in the Ball State game that was going to help you prepare for the Pitt game because of the way they played. Yeah, and I think I mean, we talked about this a little bit before even Ball State. I mean, I think – I don't know that you necessarily want to start off with a, you know, rivalry game like Pitt did, but I do think, you know, when you get pushed like that your your first week, I mean, if, if, it's, if you survive it, it's to your advantage. I mean, I, I think that might have been to Pittsburgh's benefit, you know, in the first quarter that they had, you know, gone toe-to-toe with, and, and been tested, whereas Tennessee had certainly not. Yeah, I agree with that. Remember, too, I mean, Tennessee in the Ball State game, I mean, they get the one-play drive to get started, and, you know, everything just kind of falls perfectly into place. They go out, you know, with the football, and and Hendon Hooker didn't get them off to a good start because he didn't throw the football very well the first two drives. I mean, you know, that, I mean, that's that's a lot of it. I mean, he misfired a couple of times, and so they were, they were not in a rhythm. I don't think Ball State had anything to do with that. We will go to HS Vol. Any 24s close right now? Of course, Tennessee has two 2024 commitments. Um, Mario Craver is a guy that I think Tennessee's in a good spot with uh, later on in the fall. Any big names coming in for the Florida game? Brent Hubbs, uh, you know, Devin Hobbs potentially for the Florida game. And, and of course, that, that list will grow exponentially as we get closer to it. Yeah, it feels like Hobbs is going to be the only official visitor this weekend uh, or that weekend, certainly subject to change. Tennessee would dearly love to get him in on an unofficial and then bring him back for an official, but I don't think that's going to work. So you take the official whenever you can get it. That will be – he will be the focal point that weekend. There will be a bunch of unofficials in, I'm sure, uh, but but that will be the focal point for Tennessee that, that weekend because he's such a priority for them. And, again, nothing else has changed on Traylon Ray. And speaking with him earlier this week, he is still dead set on coming for – the Alabama game with a decision coming in later, uh, probably after that in October. So I think that could set up very well for Tennessee and Traylon Ray if they can get that last visit. Um, Checker Nealon, is this Florida game coming up, setting up like the old ones? Whoever runs the ball for the most yardage wins their quarterback versus our running backs, Rob Lewis. I mean, I, I don't know that if, if I necessarily agree with that, just because I think Tennessee's passing game is so much better than Florida's. I mean, I think that you know, Tennessee has a quarterback that can that can carry the offense with his arm, and I, I don't think Florida does. I mean, I think Richardson's got to have a big game. You know, he's got to get – for Florida to win, I mean, I think he's got he's to gash you with his legs. I don't love Florida's wideouts. So I, I think it's way more imperative that Florida has a big game running the football 
they're, they're just Tennessee. I mean, you know, Tennessee can't what, what they do, however, a few years ago, or more than a few years ago, what was the minus 24, minus 25 yeah. yards? Yeah, you can't rushing. do that. You can't do that. But I mean, I don't, I don't think Tennessee has to run for 200 yards, not with Hooker at quarterback. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, also look at this past game, you know, just talking about the tradi- traditional running game. And, you know, Alex Golish, you know, pretty much said that, you know, in conversations with him that, uh, you know, it's going to be a struggle to run the football going in because of what they do. And they knew that. And, I mean, they 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 went to Cedric Tillman and said, go win this football game. So, it, hey, it's a different era of college football. I mean, it, it, it I mean, it's a different era of football in general. And it's it's about quarterbacks and wide receivers. That's why you see running backs getting drafted in the, you know, third, fourth, and fifth round being impact guys and that not necessarily – I mean, think about the Titans on Sunday. They're in a game-winning drive situation, and their franchise tailback's not on the field because they got to throw the football. So, I mean, wh- where do you want – where do you in, kind of invest in what your style of play is? Tennessee's style of play is to spread you out and throw it. That's not to say that they don't need to have better backs. I'm not saying that. But the dependence on the run game with this offense is different. Now, for this offense to be humming along, they need the run game going because they're at their best when they've got some balance. There's no question about that. But they have shown they can play and succeed offensively without a great run game or or, or a truly effective run game, as was evident this past week. Did they play well? No. They played well enough to win because of their ability to throw the football. But again, Josh Heupel will continue to say they are at their best when they are running the football, and that's that's the no biggest doubt. misconception about this offense. Yeah, no doubt, because it gives them balance, Rob, that mm-hmm. makes you really hard to defend. Because now you're just counting people in the box when you get to the line of scrimmage if you're Hendon Hooker and Alex Golish. And like like we've said before, what you stack two or three first downs on one another and you're running the seventh play of the drive and taking 13 seconds off the clock, that's when you really see the tempo start to, start to lean on people. Here's a go when squirrels gone wild. What players are legit threats at taking some playing time away from some struggling veterans? What would your starting secondary be if you were the coach? I'll start this one off, guys. Um, for what we know right now, my two corners, Kamal Haddon, you know, it's not like he was perfect the other day, but he's, in my opinion, and I think you guys would echo it, he's easily Tennessee's best cornerback. Warren Burrell would still be the other cornerback for me right now because – Christian Charles got two snaps against Pittsburgh. What's that tell you? You know, what's he look like this week and then moving into Florida? D. Williams is hurt, and Brandon Turner didn't see the field. So, I mean, I got to see these guys play a little bit. Um, those would be my two corners. Same with the safeties. No, I mean, both those guys played 86 snaps, every snap on defense for Tennessee. I would like to see Wesley Walker play some more safety, but he told the media earlier this week that since camp, when he got dinged up, he hadn't even taken a rep at safety. I want that to change. Uh, but, I mean, I would kind of stay the way it is right now and have almost and not a true 50-50 split, but like a 60-40 split with McDonald and Walker there at the star. I just need to see some guys play to give Tennessee some more options. I mean, you know, Christian Charles playing two snaps at Pitt, that gives me no confidence that he's going to be ready to play for Florida. I mean, do you guys see anything different? I don't. No, I, I don't either. Um, I don't understand the Brandon Turnage deal. I, I, I mean, I just don't, I don't grasp what – why he's either in doghouse or regressed or whatever the case is for him where, where he doesn't – he's not a factor at all. Um, the, the – the, I don't want to say love affair, but but the confidence level with Warren Burrell is a, is a bit surprising to me. I had this in the stock report. Warren Burrell will make his 23rd start on Saturday against Akron. In 22 career starts – 
He has nine pass deflections and zero interceptions as a corner. That that's that's not. I mean, that's not an aggressive corner who's making a lot of plays. That's a guy who's keeping the ball in front of him. But I mean, that that's not that's not a lot of production there when when you look at that. And and I think that's a guy who just doesn't play super aggressive. And and to me, that's a bit of a conflict of styles, Rob when you're going to be so aggressive up front and come after the quarterback to where they're trying to get it out of their hand early, the back end's got to adjust to the way the front end is playing with more aggressiveness, in my opinion. But I, I'm just a casual observer to the game. I'm not a coach, so I don't know what all they're asking them to do. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Hubbard, that I don't know that I really thought of. But if you are going to come after them and be as aggressive as they were, especially at Pittsburgh, it would seem like you wouldn't you know, jam some guys at the line and, you know, put yourself in a position to take advantage of the quarterback having to get rid of it so quickly. All right, guys, we're going to get two more questions here before we call quits on this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Let's go to TW Balls 628 on the glasses. What's your take on what happened around the SEC in week two, specifically Kentucky and Florida, Arkansas and South Carolina? We've talked a little bit about Kentucky and Florida. Guys, I, I think Arkansas is a good football team. I think they'll have an opportunity to beat Alabama. Now, will they do it? I don't know. I probably not, but I think they're a good football team. I think they can. I think they're the second best team in the West. I think they can run the football, however. Yeah, and, and I would say they're the second best team in the West. I don't know that that means they're a really good team because who else in the West has done anything to, to capture your imagination at this point? I mean, A and M was a train wreck obviously, in losing to Appalachian State. And it wasn't like they put their team away in, in week one. I think that A&M-Arkansas game in Dallas is going to be a really fascinating game in two weeks. I don't think Auburn's very good. I don't think Ole Miss is nearly what they were a, a year ago at this point. Mississippi State's intriguing. I think that's an intriguing matchup this week with LSU. But I don't think they're, – they're not nearly as physical as Arkansas is in, in the West. So Arkansas is probably number two a little bit by default. But I do think that they are molded in what Sam Pittman wants. They're physical. They run the football. Um, they still have some play calls on offense that you're just like, what was that? You know, because sometimes it feels like they're, they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with some things they do. But the fact they can line up and run the football certainly makes them, I, I think, one of the, the best teams, or what, you know, the second best team in the West behind Alabama. And they'll have, I mean, they'll have a shot, you know. I don't know if they can throw it and make enough plays against Alabama. Because when I looked at Alabama, what little bit I saw the Texas game, Rob, I didn't watch it in full detail. It looked like Alabama was having a harder time in the secondary with the Texas receivers than it was stopping the Texas run game. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I tell you, if, if Quinn Yours doesn't get hurt, I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's you can never say for sure, but I, I think Alabama, I mean, loses that game. I mean, you know, maybe he slows down, but man, he got off to a great start um, in that game and was giving Alabama fits. And Hubbard, you made this point the other day. The biggest thing about Alabama to me, I mean, they just don't have first round picks at wide receiver right now. I mean, there's no Jalen Waddle or Jerry Judy out there that just just scares you to death and you know opens up you know, your your safe. You can play your safeties in the box against against this Alabama team. I think for the first time in a long time. But in the same sense, just like Tennessee and Pittsburgh, I mean, you got to give Alabama credit. Again, no one's rooting for injury, but they knocked out Quinn Ewers from that football yeah, game. And exactly. They won that football game, just like Tennessee did with Keaton Slovis. Um, and as Sam Smith pointed out, I think it was in the Monday Night Chat earlier this week, I, I'm not sure I agree 
with with Mississippi State being a two point favorite on the road at LSU this week. I like them. I like them. But that is intriguing. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens there. I just think that Arkansas. I mean, Cincinnati's not as good as Cincinnati was last year. I'm not trying to act like it was, but good win over Cincinnati and you know winning over South Carolina when when the Rattler threw for almost 400 yards. South Carolina's not going to win you know the SEC East this year. I just think they look like a solid football team. But I would agree by default, yeah. But I still think it's a pretty good football team. I, Last I one. I, I, we'll go I, I, to Smyrna Vol. Brent Hubs, are you surprised by the sub-bar play of the tight end so far this year? It seemed like this group would be a position of strength coming into the year, and now it seems like it is a weakness with poor blocking and no depth at all. I'll say this. Yeah, the depth's an issue right now. Browder's banged up. Miles Campbell is not a factor. Um, I, I think that the blocking, certainly in the Pittsburgh game, was atrocious from that tight end position. I think Princeton fans, when something goes wrong, I think that lingers for three or four plays, as you saw with the uh, with the penalty after he gave up a sack. Um, nice little slip pass to Jacob Warren over the middle, and I think a lot of times that's there. But I, I would agree. I think the tight ends have not not been great through two games. I, I think Brandon Warren's played pretty, pretty well. I thought he played well against Ball State. I thought he was okay against Pitt. Uh, I don't think Princeton Fant played particularly well. Um you know, that that's that's got to improve. I mean, I think the one interesting thing about the tight ends, I thought they would be asked to have to block a whole lot in pass protection. And if Gerald Bensey can hold up and, and you don't have to keep um, a tight end in all the time to help with pass protection and to help off the edge, then that opens up some things potentially in the passing game for, for Tennessee at, at the tight end spot. I, I don't know. We'll see. What I feel like with the pit deal – Rob is four years in a row. Those two teams have played each other. I, I think, I, I think there was, I think Pat Narduzzi had a great scout on what Tennessee wanted to do. I think Tennessee had an idea of what they could and couldn't do against Narduzzi's defense. And, and, and they found a way to survive through it. I, I don't, I, I don't think either, either side really want to play each other <laughs> anytime soon, but because I, I think there's such a contrast in styles and what they try to do, what both teams try to do that it's not the easiest matchup for either team. So I don't think anybody's going to their AD going, hey, can we schedule them again for another home-and-home? Home? That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with you. But with the tight ends, I mean, I thought, what, what do they have? Two, two combined catches through two games? I, I thought it would be, or no, I guess, yeah, two, two through two. I thought they would be more involved this year. Agreed. Just, just, you know, I can't really speak to the blocking. I mean, I think Eric has a lot better handle on that. I mean, I obviously saw, you know, a couple of times where fans struggled the other day. I, I just really thought that they would be – I'm not saying I thought they'd catch 10 balls a game, but I thought, you know, four, five, six targets between the two of them every game just because of the experience, just because of the familiarity with Hooker. So I'm a little surprised, but, I'll, you know, it, it's early. We'll see if that won't pick up. And, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it just felt like upon rewatching this thing and, and, and live as well, but really upon rewatching. That, that Alex Golish and Josh Heupel just said, you know what, we're going to play a little basketball on grass in a two-man game with Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman. Yep. We think our best matchup is Tillman on the corner that we were getting, Devonshire, whatever his name was. We like that matchup, and we're going to attack that matchup because we think he's our most productive, most trustworthy receiver. That's the guy our quarterback likes the best, and we don't think they, they can cover him the entire second half without giving up a play. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what that one felt like. No, I, mean, I mean, 18 targets. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I, mean, I thought it live. I thought it going back and watching the tape. And then even hearing Alex Golich speak earlier this week, I thought in his words, that was kind of the message as well. I mean, I, 
I couldn't agree more. I, I, the way I look at it, they said, hey, Cedric Tillman's my guy. He's going to go win this football game. We're going to work that matchup because we like it. And that's what they did. So anyway, you want to spin it? Tennessee is 2-0 and and will take on Akron this Saturday. A chance to go 3-0 and for the first time since 2016. And then the big one, it is Florida. As fans and as media, we can always look ahead to the Florida game, but don't expect Tennessee uh, to do that. Try to have a better week of practice this week heading into this SEC final dress rehearsal, uh, I guess, before SEC play begins. So that's coming up this week. Plenty of coverage, VolQuest.com. We've got all of our weekly features up there. And, of course, discussion of the General's Quarters. Follow us on the front page and $1 for one year. It's not going to last forever. So take advantage while you're here. $1 for one year to join us at VolQuest.com. And please subscribe and follow us. Like the videos that we always post on YouTube as well. For Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. Brent Hubbs is here as well. Austin Price was here for a little bit too. This has been the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.